This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Pakman Show, The Colbert Report, The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, The David Feldman Show, The Majority Report, and Blacking It Up. And note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode does contain suggestions that religion is occasionally used in odd and ultimately destructive ways. Uh, another religious story for you, by the way. Pat Robertson, our good friend Pat Robertson from the 700 Club, told a woman who can't pay her mortgage or her bills that she's just not managing her money properly and she must keep tithing if she wants God's blessing. Can you think of more irresponsible advice from Pat Robertson? And this is sickening, and I would warn you that you probably don't want to let kids see this, right? I think we, we should issue a fair warning. Not There's no nipples here. It's not Janet Jackson's nipple or anything like that. This is far, far more disturbing to children. Melissa, who says our family is struggling financially. We can't pay our mortgage, and now it's getting to the point where our tithe to our church is taking away from paying our bills. I pray, but I don't get an answer. Why? Well, I think the answer is in the Bible. You know, the Bible says, shall a man rob God? If you really want his blessing, be faithful with your tithe, and then you've got God as your financial partner, and you have every reason to ask him for his blessing. So, uh, the, that belongs to him. So you remember that little girl that had the little, uh, you know, something for giving, something mm -hmm. for saving. Mm -hmm. You need those buckets. I don't think you're managing your money properly. Right. So Pat Robertson, all... <laughs> if you want God's blessing, you have to give him money because clearly God likes money. God this, is your this financial... invention of ours. He's just he's all about it. God is your financial advisor. He is certified in uh, life and health insurance. He has a series six. He has a series sixty three. He can advise on mutual funds and particular investments. He prefers no load mutual funds. Just so you know. So mm -hmm. really, you keep keep giving God that tithe, and then you can ask for His blessing. Not before, right. Lewis. Right. Not only will will your investment increase uh, substantially. But uh, you will also receive miracles. Right. Yeah. But not only if you only if you pay God. Explain to me how this guy isn't mentally ill. What What is the difference between this type of belief and any other belief that doesn't have to do with religion that is just as delusional? It, that's the thing. This For is a sick reason, human being. An exception. It, it, he is sick, and you know that money belongs to God. You are robbing God if you don't give him the ten percent of your money. So God can create the universe in six days, smite infidels. Save your soul or send you to hell, but he's broke and he needs 10% of your salary. Mm -hmm. Is he going to be living on uh, 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 ramen and cheap beer if you don't give him your tithe, Lewis? Is that what's going on? Does God drink PBR? <laughs> what's you'd, going on? You'd think an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful deity of the Bible would know that occasionally it's difficult to make those protection payments to the church and maybe would cut people some slack. I guess not. The one disappointment is there's no hell for Pat Robertson to go to. That's really the disappointment here. Right. People need to wake up, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is sick. Yeah. What can we do? People love him. All right. Well, we've heard it from producer Lewis. Thanks for bringing things back down. Things were escalating, and you were able to calm the situation. You look like your head might explode. I mean, I don't want to clean that up.
Lorum ad relatio bene te elite. Nation, if you're wondering why I'm speaking the Pope talk, it's because today is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, wherein good Catholics like myself make a personal sacrifice for 40 days to become closer to God. Last year I gave up something truly important to me as a Catholic, being Catholic. It was tough. It was tough. But I did get some great bar mitzvah gifts. And folks, I gotta tell you, you can ask these people, I still haven't decided what to give up this year. I thought about going with the classic, you know, chocolate. But that's impossible since the introduction of mint dark chocolate M&Ms. I mean, I love God and everything, but these things are like crack. Speaking of which, I definitely can't give up crack. That stuff is highly addictive, yet reasonably priced. But I gotta find something to sacrifice that I both enjoy and know I can stick to giving up. Oh wait, okay, I got it. Nation and God nation. This Lent, I, Stephen Colbert, do solemnly swear to give up high-fiving conquistadors. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. Why not something easier like fist-bumping lions? <laughs> but, <laughs> but as America's most famous Catholic, I need to set a good example, all right? So wish me luck. Folks, regular viewers know that I have succumbed to Linsanity. He is the biggest basketball story since the game was invented by the Aztecs, who, of course, succumbed to Lynn Smallpox. No. Oh, 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 I love a good Aztec joke. Come on, up top, amigo. I, I'm sorry. I'm so... I'm so sorry, Don Diego Juan Carlos. It's just that I made a very specific promise to God. Come on, don't leave me hanging like the flying serpent god Quetzalcoatl. I, I, I can't, it's Lent. Yeah, it used to be fun. You've changed. Man, I'm gonna have to smoke so much crack to forget about this. There's a judge in Pennsylvania by the name of uh, Mark Martin, and he threw out a case involving a uh, Muslim man attacking an atheist protester during a Halloween parade. Now, uh, during this Halloween event, uh, there were 
a group of people known as the parading atheists who were dressed as certain religious figures, right? So mm -hmm. there was someone dressed as a zombie pope, and then there was another gentleman dressed as a zombie Muhammad, right? Now, as they're, as they're protesting, doing their thing on Halloween, uh, this Muslim man gets very, very upset. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to uh, the atheist, he was physically assaulted by uh, the Muslim man. Mm -hmm. So he decided to take the case to court. Uh, now, the judge has ruled uh, that he's going to throw out this case because there is a lack of evidence, right? We have the video for you guys. I want you guys to watch the video, and then I'm going to tell you what else the judge said that I find very questionable. Let's watch. Oh, I am Muhammad the Prophet. Oh. Huh? Call the cops. Yeah. Hey, 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 no. Stop, you're on film. Please, hey! What's going on? What's going on? Hey! He's attacking me! Come here, cop! Uh, uh, we're in America, dude. Freedom of speech. I am Muhammad the Prophet. Okay, so you can't really tell what happens in that video. I agree with the judge that it's too grainy. You don't see uh, the Muslim man physically assaulting him. Mm -hmm. He just says, ah, you're choking me. But anyone can say that in a video, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, the judge also says uh, that he stated that the First Amendment of the Constitution does not permit people to provoke other people. Uh, he also called uh, Pierce, who is uh, the atheist, uh, the plaintiff in the case, a doofus. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, not buying that, man. I don't know what, where, which country he's a judge in. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm totally with the atheist here. You can be any kind of zombie you like, man. It's a free country. You could be a zombie pope. You could be a zombie rabbi, or a zombie Muhammad if you like. I mean, this is outrageous. And the guy uh, assaults you. No. If I was the judge, I'd have thrown the book at the Muslim guy. Oh, you're offended. That's great. And I and I get why you're offended. But that's all you get to do. You don't get to hit somebody in this country because you're offended. It's called sad day for you. We've got a constitution here, and everybody's allowed a freedom of speech. I mean, you're not allowed to provoke people. I mean, you've got to give me a better legal standard than that. Yes. I mean, if you get in somebody's face, and, you think, and you're somehow physically provoking them, maybe that's a different thing. But what, you could be offended by anything I say. What, did I provoke you into an attack? That's ridiculous. So under that standard, we can't criticize any religion because we might provoke an idiot into assaulting us. No, no way. This judge is a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm actually really surprised at what he said in the courtroom. And I'm actually now curious whether he really threw out the case because of the lack of evidence or if he threw it out because he has some sort of bias in, in this matter. Um, and also, look, he, the atheist in the video was definitely being annoying, okay? Mm -hmm. And he was obviously uh, trying to get on people's nerves, like in this case. I don't even yeah. think so. I mean, I didn't get that from the video. Like, was he... I guess he was annoying to the Muslim guy who happened to be there, but did he go to the Muslim guy's house? No, it's, no, it's, a, it's a public this event. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But I was going to get to the point of, even if it's the most annoying thing, like you're right, you can't physically assault someone. You can be offended, but you can't use violence, you can't use weapons, you can't physically harm someone because you're offended. So, I mean, what if you're a Muslim and you think we should be ruled by Sharia law? You're like Rick Santorum and you think my religion should rule over your religion. Well, I'm deeply offended by that. Do I get to kick your ass? No, you get to have your ideas in this country. And none of that merits physical assault, no matter how deeply offensive I find it. And I do. I find the idea that any of these nonsense religions would control our lives 
horribly offensive. Mm -hmm. Much more than some guy going, oh, I am zombie Mohammed. <laughs> Who cares, right? But it I doesn't mean I assault people over it. The judge is a million percent. Are you right. guys disagreeing with the judge in this because he had the ridiculous um, ruling of, well, you know, he can't provoke anyone. That, that's, that's, I believe, obviously everyone can agree that that's ridiculous. So based off of his portion of his ruling saying that, then maybe his whole ruling is wrong because in reality, the other part of it, I couldn't see anything from that video. No, if, I, I know, to, I know. Going off of that, that specific part of the evidence, there's no evidence. But um, that video is ridiculous. I mean, you can't tell anything. I mean, you can assume that's what happened because of what the guy yelling was. Maybe because of his second point, you guys ah, don't see any choking me. He's choking me. <laughs> well, there's a video, and I yell, somebody's choking me. What do you mean? That's total evidence. <laughs> no, I know, I know. So I'm proving your point. I get it, but I don't think that's the issue here. I mean, if that was the issue... And he says, look, there are no witnesses, there's nothing else, hence, and he left it at that, then we wouldn't have any issue with the case at all. Then you couldn't prove that the guy assaulted you. Right. You know? So, but the fact that he put the provoking stuff in there goes to show you, like, this guy is basically saying, you had it coming. Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing strong but you needed proof you saw her bathing on the roof her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you it's the onion radio news an area priest plans to leave the priesthood as soon as his parents die this is doyle redland reporting Father Sean Lonergan at St. Veronica Catholic Church in Brockton, Massachusetts, told reporters today that once his parents are dead and buried, he plans to hang up his collar for good. The 36-year-old clergyman added, It would just crush Mom and Dad to see me abandon my faith. I mean, they've always been so good to me and my four brothers, so I guess I can wait. Lonergan, who also said both his parents couldn't possibly have more than 20-odd years left in them, plans to someday become a volleyball coach. Doyle Redlin for the Onion Radio News Online. Hey, this is Lee Camp. I hope you've enjoyed having my Moment of Clarity rants pumped into your skulls. If you have, you would almost definitely love my free Moment of Clarity backstage podcast where I discuss the topics of the day. You know, the little things like the corporate raping and pillaging of our world. I also have on fun, awesome guests like this lady. My name is Janine Garoppolo. This guy. Hi, I'm John Oliver. Even sometimes this guy. This is Greg Palace, and I've got my zipper caught in Moments of Clarity. Free at LeeCamp.net, iTunes, Stitcher, or the Android app. Plus, there's a Moment of Clarity book for those of you who thought, I love Moment of Clarity, but I hate how I can't lick it. Well, now you can. The Moment of Clarity book and ebook. Get it at LeeCamp.net or on most e-reader platforms. And remember, keep fighting and stay angry. We're going to talk about Rick Santorum, who most people think is a fundamentalist or an evangelical. But he's not. He's a Catholic. 
right? He's, he, he's a fundamentalist, though. I mean, he, he still is considered a religious fundamentalist. But fundamentalist, you really think Protestant? Uh, generally, yeah, but I mean, every faith has them, you know? I think that when people talk about, oh, religion's responsible for all the war and oppression of women and violence, and it's like, no, 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 not religion. Far-right-wing fundamentalism. The overwhelming majority of liberal or moderate Christians, Jews, and Muslims are getting along just fine right now. It's the right-wing Christians, Jews, and Muslims that are going to continue to make life very interesting for the rest of us. Right. Rick Santorum is part of that club. Now, what part of Catholicism would Rick Santorum fall under? Ignorant? No, he would fall under fundamentalism. I, 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 I mean, is there like your father was a Franciscan? Yeah. Do they have a special sect of Catholics? No, any any religion has its conservative and its liberal adherents, and you know every person who's religious picks and chooses the parts of their holy books they want to believe in. It's all buffet spirituality. I mean, everyone does it. It's just that when you do it to justify being mean to someone, you got to put your foot down. And for me, there's five things that make you a fundamentalist. Number one, the gay hating muslims mm-hmm. jews christians all they all have that in common number two is women are second-class citizens according to the bible women are not allowed to speak in the temple when a woman is menstruating she's unclean if you touch a woman while she's menstruating you're unclean in the eyes of god tell me about it so watch who's <laughs> who you bump elbows with in the cotex aisle <laughs> or um, something yeah uh, number three is violence is okay because we're doing it for god so violence, we get a pass on, on violence. And again, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, fundamentalists, they think violence is great. Uh, other religions are inferior. That's point four. Point five, the sex hang-up thing. And I find that those five things link fundamentalists no matter what the, what the faith is. Hmm. And so I think we need to take all the fundamentalist Christians, Jews, and Muslims who send other people off to die for them, put them in Australia, put it all on pay-per-view, let them fight it out to the death with polo mallets and pool cues, and put it on pay-per-view and fix the deficit. Wow. Yeah. But, but you know, Rick Santorum is, uh, is probably uh, the biggest religious hypocrite running for president on the GOP side, even bigger than Gingrich. Inge- even bigger than Gingrich. Even bigger than now, Gingrich, Gingrich yeah. Frank, help me out here. Mm-hmm. Gingrich converted to Catholicism. Yeah, because we needed to have a creepier religion. And what, what, <laughs> but what kind of Catholic is he, Frank? He's a cafeteria Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> cafeteria. He's an unlimited buffet cat. <laughs> well, if you read Rabelais in uh, Pantagruel and Gargantuan, I remember years ago reading it, and the word fundament means shit around... So, so that's why Santorum oh. is a fits the idea. <laughs> Fundamentalists, I would assume the origin of the word fundamentalist is somebody who believes shit. Well, fundament means shit. A fundament sounds like a delightful thing you'd get at Chuck E. Cheese or something. <laughs> See, fundamentalists don't think they're better than you. They think God thinks they're better than you. And that's the problem. And that's why they're so fun and charming. And that's why you can't argue with them because they can't be wrong. They're on the side of God. So if you're disagreeing with them, you represent Satan. And I am not going to sit down with Satan and discuss school curriculum or who gets to get married. Great. Now, here's my question. And I've tried to do this, but being who I am, it doesn't work. Why can't we take the side of God? Why can't we wear God on our sleeves? The Catholic Church is against the war. They're against capital punishment. Yeah. They're, they're, and they're would... for universal health insurance. Mm-hmm. Why can't liberals accuse 
the conservatives... They do. They just don't get on TV talking about it. That's why I have, I try to put it in the form of a dick joke so I can get on television to talk about <laughs> these things. Because unless you make it funny, no one wants to hear from you. Because all you get on TV of religion is atheists and imbeciles. I just perform for the New York City Atheist Society, and I have a lot more in common with them than a lot of religious folk. And I'm a believer. But, you know, the Catholic Church was opposed... Both the, the last two popes, both opposed to the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. So I really want to hear Gingrich and Santorum talking about Bush Cheney's war on religion. I mean, these guys defy the church all the time. You pointed out as uh, well, why national health care. Why doesn't Wolf, full of fundament blitzer, during a debate, ask them that? Well, number one, because they're not too swift. Number two, the media is as liberal as the corporations that own it. You know, a couple of years ago in 2008, w during the last presidential campaign, there was a debate on CNN. And Anderson Cooper asked uh, uh, Mike Huckabee about the death penalty, saying, you know, you're Christian, but you really like killing sinners. Do you think Jesus would have supported the death penalty? And Huckabee just goes, Anderson, Jesus was too smart to ever run for public office. And the whole crowd cheers at that cunning comeback dodge. Mm -hmm. And Anderson Cooper moves on to the next question. So what I'm saying is I, I don't think you should, ever, Jesus... you should never cheat on anybody. But if you're dating Anderson Cooper and you decide to have an affair, the guy doesn't ask tough follow-up questions. Just <laughs> Keep that in mind. Well, none of them do, but and Jesus, was, Jesus most, was a victim of capital punishment. If there was no death penalty, he'd still be here, you know? <laughs> who could forget what he said, forgive us our trespasses as we lethally inject those who trespass mm. against us. Mm. Like, he was the most anti-death penalty guy of all time. Mm. And but yet, that's the irony of America. You know, Carlin said we were founded by slave owners who wanted to be free. You can't be president unless you're a follower of Jesus who believes in killing the sinner. And now, you want to talk big government, strapping a guy down to a table and murdering him doesn't get more intrusive of the state than that. Yes. So the fundamentalist then, and this is what I think is unfair, the fundamentalist then quotes the Old Testament when you talk about... Yeah, usually about what? About gays? No, about capital punishment. Yeah. Well, they'll try to quote Jesus out of context. Well, okay, so now I'm arguing with you. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm a right-wing <laughs> lunatic, and I'm for capital punishment because Jesus said so. How do I justify it as an illiterate? How do I quote the Bible? Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye, which is Old Testament. Which Jesus directly references and refutes in the Sermon on the Mount. And that was just a, a reference to the uh, Bethlehem lens crafters. That's true, in fact. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so... The okay, so help me, or or the those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Uh, that's used a lot to justify uh, the death penalty. But Jesus was saying that to be nonviolent when right. the, when the jackbooted thugs of the state came to arrest him and his followers who were bearing arms wanted to fight back against these jackbooted thugs. And that's when Jesus said, "Those live. who live by the sword will die by the sword." He was saying that in the context of be nonviolent. Absolutely, but it's often taken out of context to make it sound like he was in favor of you know killing people and mm -hmm. shit. Is there anything in the New Testament, did anybody say it was okay to kill prisoners? Not Jesus. What about Paul? What about You know, Paul's an interesting guy because Paul is a pretty uptight guy. And a lot of theologians actually believe that Paul was a closeted gay man in the first century Holy Land because why would he have all these sex hang-ups? You know, Paul's a guy who can be so accepting and forgiving and loving of all these horrible sinners, but when it comes to his own unholy flesh and its vile urges, he's disgusted. And when I turns out the road to Damascus was a brown dirt highway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, and the ramble on the side of the road. So Paul was just, a, in general, an uptight guy. But I does he say anything uh, you know, about the death penalty? I don't think so, but he might. Well, I mean, he sure talks about slaves. 
But isn't it true that when Jesus was crucified, that that news was overtaken by rumors that Paul was dead? Yes, that Paul was dead. <laughs> if you if you read the scroll backwards, right. it says that. So if I were to talk, I had to do a Beatles joke for John. <laughs> All right. So if I'm talking to Pat Robertson. He could dig up something from the New Testament that would justify the death penalty. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, the, uh, he married my cousin actually, Pat Robertson. He he actually performed Cliff Robertson performed my cousin's. Uh, no, he hit on my wife once. No, Pat Robertson performed my cousin's uh, wedding. <laughs> hold it, hold it. Tina Merrill. Cliff Robertson hit on your wife. Yes, before she was my wife. <laughs> really? He, no, he was just flirting. He was a nice guy. Well, I did an award show with him once in New York, and it was a big thrill to meet David Charlie. David Beagleman borrowed my pen to kite some checks. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weirdest show I've ever. There are like done in my two life. people who are going to get that reference, and uh, <laughs> they're both here. And they're both here. <laughs> <laughs> Dina Merrill was married to Cliff Robertson, and they went after David Beagleman, who kited checks and uh, it almost destroyed their career. I want to hear you say some ignorant fundamentalist thing that I can try to refute and impress well, you. Well, I. Capital punishment is a Old Testament idea, not a New Testament idea. What about homosexuality? Now? Okay. That was a show? Uh, well, that's that, that <laughs> as well. That is also an Old Testament idea. Is there anything in the New Testament that says a man shall not lie down with another man? Yes. Well, there, not really, no. But there is one area that's commonly taken out of context in Paul's letter to the Romans. And I was just on the radio last Friday, and some guy called up and tried to, to throw this at me, where it said that Paul talking in the past tense about Sodom and Gomorrah and saying how God gave them over to unnatural affections and men burned with desire for each other. And people have used this, and women burned, and women turned away from their natural lusts to be into each other. That's, it's actually funny that at no point in the Bible does God ever forbid women with women. So God and Vivid Video have the same policy. <laughs> but um, the the uh, but know, that, by the way, but I, that, that quote of Paul I'm just pointing out was completely taken out of context because in that sense, it's not God punishing them for being gay; it's God making them gay as punishment. It said God gave them over to unnatural affections, meaning whatever you're normally into, you're not into. To. And we got to remember back then, the Roman Empire, it was Caligula on a pogo stick. Everybody was by. If you were a man who didn't sleep with men, there was something wrong with you. And these Orthodox Jews who wrote the books that turned into the Bible really weren't into that, but they knew what was going on. And there's the great story of Jesus healing the Roman centurion's slave that I think is the biggest evidence that Jesus was pro-gay. But the one part of the New Testament, which is Paul's letter to Romans, that they use is completely out of context. And it's God making people gay as punishment because, you know... That's God. <laughs> it's funny that way. So, but the the centurion story is really kind of cool because did you ever see Jesus of Nazareth, Zeffirelli's film, where, oh, ago, where Jesus yeah. is played as a blue eyed British Xanax addict? <laughs> Ernest Borgnine plays the centurion in the movie, <laughs> and, and the centurion comes up to Jesus and, and says, "Hey, my slave is dying. Will you come to my house and help him out and take a look at the guy?" And Jesus is like, "Absolutely!" And the apostles all flip out and they're like, "Wow, these motherfuckers." They're, they're occupying our land, and they're, they're the Roman Empire. How dare you? And Jesus is like, shit, y'all, that's what I do. I paraphrase from the Aramaic, but <laughs> Jesus is like, this guy has more faith than you. He walks right up to me and asks for help, and he's, he's the Romans. It's a nice little story, and you think, oh, Jesus is so cool. He's even being loving to the occupying European army that's colonized the Middle East. 
But when you read the Greek translation, they don't use the word slave. They use the word pais, P-A-I-S, beloved boy. And when you think about it, historically, what do we know about the Romans? We know they left their wives at home when they went on the road and they brought their teenage boys with them. And that's how you were broken in and you grew up and had one of your own. And we see this continue today in Afghanistan with the culture of the Bakabas, of boy lovers. They're the biggest yeah. homophobes in the world, but to them it's not gay because it's not for love, it's just sex. And that's why I always say that, you know, you look at this pedophilia, that's not a Christian thing, that's a Roman thing. That's a little bit of the old-time Roman Empire kept alive Ooh. behind those walls. In that movie with Ernest Borgnine, Ernest Borgnine had a gay superior named Leadbottom. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> And he was with biggest dickus. <laughs> another another joke that nobody will get. But there's but there's an example of Jesus being being pro gay. And when you think about it, the, the fact that the apostles flipped out so much makes a lot more sense when you consider that you know these are Orthodox Jews, and here's Jesus healing this guy's male lover. So Jesus, pretty cool guy, big rainbow. I flag. don't think Jesus would have gone to help if he'd known that he'd married Ethel Merman. Well, that's true. <laughs> That's right. Heal her face. <laughs> there's no business like Messiah. Business, there's no. Ernest Borgnine was married to to Ethel, Ethel Merman. Ethel, That's Eugene right. Merman. Wasn't it Eugene Merman? No, Ethel Merman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Eugene. He did have an he affair did. with Eugene, Eugene Merman. Merman as well. I get the two confused. <laughs> I've never met Eugene. So... So that's my big, uh, boring gay well, thing. Well, no, I want to talk about... Now, the big thing It's is, Leviticus is where they get all the homophobia from. But yeah, go ahead. What's the big thing? Well, tell me about Leviticus. Well, Leviticus is where it says, you shall not lie with a man as with a woman. That is an abomination. It doesn't say anything about, you know, one guy on all fours or one guy on his knees or one guy leaning against a men's room stall while a Republican senator plays lookout. <laughs> <laughs> Just you shall not lie with a man. Then but it you, also says, you know, you have to chop off your wife's left hand. Well, first it says you have to kill gay men. If men sleep together, you have to kill them. And I don't know if you homophobes have noticed, but the gay guys have been working out. They're ready now. Yeah. But, you know, you see the 300? My God, those were some buff gay. That movie was mm. so gay, I came out to my parents. But <laughs> the, the, uh, if you believe that, you've got to follow all the laws, which means you have to be stoned to death anybody who works on the Sabbath, and right. that's Saturday, so bye-bye NASCAR. Uh, anybody who cuts their hair at the temple, or tattoos the flesh, so long Marine Corps, and half the bands mm -hmm. I like. Anybody, any children who are gluttons or drunks, bye-bye <laughs> Bush twins, and adultery. Any adulterers have to be stoned to death, and that includes, in the Old Testament, divorce and remarriage. So what well, this means Newt is yeah. you have to kill Newt Gingrich two times and kill Rush Limbaugh three times <laughs> if you believe the part of the Bible that says being gay is wrong. Well, which you shouldn't do. Rush Limbaugh is dead inside four times, so it's kind of so. And now the big right thing, now he's being lowered onto his wife, and I'm sure it's very romantic. <laughs> so you're the only one, other than a scene in the West Wing. Oh where God! Martin Sheen spits back Leviticus at some, Leviticus, Leviticus, the encyclopedias. <laughs> he has laws that Jews adore so. <laughs> And Mary Magdalene was a horse. So. <laughs> <laughs> was Mary Magdalene the whore? No. At no point in the Bible is Mary Magdalene described as a prostitute. Who's the prostitute? Uh, there's a couple of them, and there's a couple of adulteresses, too, but at no point is Mary Magdalene Why do we think Mary Magdalene is a prostitute? Because the men who wrote the Bible wanted us to think that. And uh, you can read the Da Vinci Code to get some, some cool fan fiction on that. But, so that's uh, not the name of Trixie and a couple other girls. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. No, she was an apostle, and people think she was married to Jesus. You know, there were 15 apostles. They say there were 12 apostles, but that's because they don't count women as people. There's three women that went everywhere with Jesus and those 12 guys, but we say there were 12 apostles and three groupies. Mm -hmm. They sold T-shirts at all the big gigs, you know? So that And that's all because they hate women, and they don't think women are worthy of being priests, and they should hate God for making 51% of the world so unworthy of the priesthood. Well, the very the story of... How the the world came to be, Adam and Eve, that's like a parable about how horrible women that's are. That's all, right? totally. It's yeah. all about how horrible women are. And it's like, so a talking snake mm. tricks Eve into eating an apple like it's Alan Funt. You know, <laughs> there's nothing more hilarious than biblical characters caught in the act of being themselves. Be really we put our own Joanne Flug dressed up as a serpent to offer Eve an apple. Now, she thinks she's going to eat the tree of life and gain eternal knowledge, but what she's really doing is damning herself at all future generations of women, the monthly menstruation, painful childbirth, and shitty wages for doing the same work as a man. <laughs> now let's go over to Fanny Flag with our candid kids. <laughs> Mitt Romney. This dude just cannot catch a break. Now look, I don't have any problem with Mormonism uh, because it, you know, whatever, magic underwear, I don't even know that much about it, or polig you know, I don't know that Mormonism is any more or less crazy than any other religion. But I do find it sort of offensive that at one point in the history of Mormonism, they decided it was going to be policy for them to baptize dead people. Oh, you didn't, you to didn't know convert, that? Well, I think I heard about it, but, you know, I don't even think about it. They convert people they think should be Mormons or had some, they feel they have some claim to uh, them after they die. Now, again... I, you know, listen, I'm dead. There's very little you can do to me that I think is going to bother me at that point. I mean, you know, uh, maybe I think it's quite possible I've been so scarred by my daughter that if you were to play Justin Bieber songs in my coffin over and over again, that might I might I might come back from the dead and have a problem with that. But short of that, you know, baptize me, circumcise me again, it doesn't matter. I'm dead. But I can see how it would be of offense to certain people. And I think I probably would be more offended if someone did it to a family member than to myself. Because if I was aware of that, I'd be alive. And that's where things really bother you more. My sense is that when you're dead, you're just not as bothered by things. You don't, like, you know, it's too cold in here or, it, or too hot in here, depending on where you go. Um, I just don't think that's an issue. But, it, it, but it, I could see how it would be offensive to live people, particularly your relatives. 
And so there's a researcher, her name is Helen Radke. She's a former Mormon, seems to have some issues with the Mormon church. She lives in Salt Lake City, and she does a lot of research into the things that the Mormon church does. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, apparently. And on Friday, she discovered on a genealogy website restricted to Mormons, someone must have given her a password. It's, I, they must, the Mormons must do the same thing we do at a majority report. Got to become a member uh, by signing up on the site. You just go to majority.fm, sign up to become a m member to support the program, and if you want, I will baptize you <laughs> in the majority report faith. Or the Mormon faith. I'll, I'll baptize you in any, anything you want. I mean, from a distance. Not, I don't want to have to do anything where I actually have to touch you. And um, some individuals had submitted the name of Nobel Peace Prize winner and Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel as ready for a posthumous proxy baptism. Now, there's a couple of problems with this. One is the dude doesn't want to be baptized as a Mormon. Two, he's not dead. The names of Wiesel's father, who perished in the Holocaust, and his maternal grandfather have also been proposed for proxy baptism. This is according to Radke. She said by Monday, the records had been changed to read to not available. Now, apparently, and I was not aware of this, or maybe I did and I just forgot about it, there was an agreement struck by Mormon elders and some Jewish groups that they would stop doing this. Because <laughs> apparently it's really annoying um, if your parents have died in the Holocaust because they were Jewish to then have somebody sprinkle uh, Mormon dust on them or whatever they do. I don't know what they do. Now the Mormons, I think, have a big genealogical database. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not 100% clear on that, but I know there's a huge genealogical database in Salt Lake City. And there was a negotiation between Mormon and Jewish leaders in 1995 for the church to stop the baptism, uh, posthumous baptism of all Jews, except in the case of direct ancestors to Mormons. Okay. Um, but it, it, it appears that after that, this, guy, uh, this woman, Radke, found that the church was not adhering to that deal. <laughs> and so in 2010, they made another deal. Yeah, I don't know if like, the Jews had to trade, like, you know, like Sandy Koufax to the Mormons uh, in consideration for future Mormons. Uh, if you stop baptizing Jews uh, posthumously. Um, but... Another deal resulted in the promise by Mormon Church to at least prevent inappropriate proxy baptism requests for Holocaust victims, although not all Jews. These Mormons, they drive a hard bargain. The Jews may have you on uh, wholesale, but the Mormons have you when it comes to posthumous uh, baptism, apparently. That's the way it breaks down. And the reason why they carry out the practice of proxy baptisms is, quote, because all who have lived on earth have not had the opportunity to be baptized by proper authority during life on earth. In other words, the Mormons are the proper authorities. They run everything. 
Baptisms may be performed by proxy, meaning a living person may be baptized in behalf of a deceased person. So in other words, uh, you know, they get another Mormon who's like agreed to be a Mormon, or, um, and you, you, you just for the moment pretend you're this dead person who died in the Holocaust, and uh, we're going to baptize you again in the Mormon faith, and then that person will be. Uh, baptisms by the de for the dead are performed by church and temples throughout the world. Um, so I guess uh, church officials apologized uh, on Monday for the baptisms, calling them a serious breach of our protocol. This is according to the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, this ain't help Mitt Romney. I don't know if it'll hurt him, and I don't know that it should. But uh, apparently there's already some suspicion about the, the Mormon church. And uh, this doesn't do anything to alleviate that, uh, as far as I can tell. I mean, like I say, you want to uh, baptize me when I'm dead? Go to town. Uh, just don't let my family know about it because they may get uptight about it. And, again, no Bieber music. I don't know what happens at the baptisms, but if it's Bieber involved, I'm out. I close my eyes and I can see a better day. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Here comes the Mormon Church. Apparently this time, they have baptized Anne Frank. Now, if you're not familiar with this, you might think, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure Anne Frank is dead. Uh, of course she is. Uh, she uh, died at a death camp in 1945 uh, at the age of 15. And of course she wrote those diaries, and that's why she was famous. And uh, of course she was Jewish. So what part of her is Mormon? None. But uh, the Mormon Church has this, you know, if you want to be benign, say a goofy practice of doing proxy baptisms that after you've died they get together and they do some voodoo and they go hoo, 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 or whatever they chant and they decide that uh, in the afterworld you're now officially Mormon lunatics okay now apparently for Anne Frank they've tried to do this dozens of times but apparently you need two pieces of the voodoo put together for it to be official and they just did it uh, in the Dominican Republic, they put the two pieces of the voodoo together. They did. Uh, uh, they've submitted her name, and then they have also um, done a ritual where they do the cleansing and the proxy and the and the and then all of a sudden she becomes a Mormon in the afterworld. You know, somebody e emailed me the other day or she tweeted me saying, "Oh, you know, you are being really unfair." Proxy baptism makes total sense, and you're coloring it so that it does seem irrational. Yeah, I know. Baptizing long dead people so they turn from Jewish to Mormon, or whatever religion to Mormonism later. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My bad for not understanding that. Have I been unfair to you? 
okay, tell me about how your voodoo makes sense. Now, well, obviously, the Lord Mormon or whatever you believe in and Brigham Young and Steve Young got together and they decided, oh, you know what, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 and Frank is now Mormon. You people are nuts, you're crazy. It didn't actually happen, she's not actually Mormon. And by the way, the Mormon church pretended uh, to stop this practice. Back in 1995, they met with Jewish uh, leaders who were enraged that they were doing this proxy baptism of dead Jews, especially ones that had gone through the Holocaust. And the Mormon leaders, oh, well, okay, yeah, no, we're not gonna do that anymore, sorry about that, yeah, our bad. So they just recently got caught again and apologized. So it's definitely true that they did it to Simon Wiesenthal's parents. He's the famous Nazi hunter. They grabbed his parents in the afterlife and they're like, now you're Mormons, ha ha. Weirdos, losers, lunatics. You don't like those titles. Oh, I should be respectful of their proxy baptisms. Well, look, it's not respectful to kidnap people's ancestors. Look, I don't believe in any of it. I don't think it matters, right? I don't think that they, after they're dead, I don't think they're necessarily Jewish or Mormon. I think they're dead, okay? But for the people who do believe it, it's, you know, that they were, of course, Jews, because they were. They find it deeply offensive that you're kidnapping their ancestors in the afterlife. And, of course, now we find out through their genealogy database, they've done the same thing to Anne Frank. After all these promises not to do it. So the, the Jew, Jewish people that are upset about this, uh-huh. doesn't it not make sense that they're upset about it either? I mean, they're not doing anything to her. In reality, they're, they're doing some kind of PR stunt. So, I mean, on both ways, they shouldn't be offended either. I mean, in reality. Yeah, look, I'm it. agnostic. So to me, it doesn't matter. But the two things that offend me are, one, stop messing with other people's religion, right? I mean, that's how we get into trouble. You see what I'm saying, JR? Okay, that when religions start messing with each other, that's bad news. Okay, number two, when people, I guess, I think the tweet really set me off. Like when they come and tell me, oh, no, no, you don't understand, this is, so, you, this is obviously rational and you're painting in a bad light. What's the positive light for a proxy baptism? Like, in which world does it make sense in any way? Okay, my bad, they don't go, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They say something else. So what? I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the Onion Radio News. A homeless man bestows God's blessing upon all within earshot. This is Doyle Redland reporting. 
Commuters on the Chicago Blue Line were uplifted briefly by a homeless man today as he bestowed God's blessing upon all who could hear his shouts. Reeking of holy filth, the homeless man reportedly boarded the train and proceeded to prefer the Almighty's graces with no discrimination. Co-writer George Jerome. I was expecting him to ask for something, but instead he gave me something blessing of the Lord. The blessings were not without cost, however, as the man collected donations of 65 cents from writers, most likely to do God's work or to help him drink more of God's ripple. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News. Sunshine again. This is the most magnificent life has ever been. Here is heaven and earth and the brilliant sky in between. Blessed is this life and I'm gonna celebrate Blessed is this life, and I'm going to celebrate being alive. What is a Christian atheist? Uh, some, something, some, somebody sounds like somebody made it up. Christian atheist? I mean, is that like a secular Christian that I was talking about yesterday? Uh... Yeah, that's that's what that sounds like. Like like the whole concept of a, a secular Christian. Maybe you're a Christian, but you don't quite believe in the God that the Bible tells you to believe in. Like the way I believe in Optimus Prime, right. I would count. Aaron believes in Optimus. Are these Prime. Christians that just go to church on Easter and Christmas? Uh, or I guess maybe. Well, anyway, folks. Uh, oh Lord. Um, there's, you've talked about this on the show before, and, and actually you've tweeted about this, about folks going after President Obama and his belief system and sort of who he is as a person. Right. Um, and so they're questioning his, um, belief in Christianity or him being a Christian. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, are they, is that the title they're giving him? Christian Atheist? Yes. <sighs> this morning, uh, what's this dude? Franklin Graham mm-hmm. uh, was on television, just getting just abnormally froggy, uh, explaining his uh, explaining his opinion on uh, on Obama. And he's like, "Well, he says he's a Christian, so I guess I have to believe him." <laughs> um, and then, but he's like, uh, and "Then they asked him, he's like, well, do you think Rick Santorum's a Christian?'" He's like, "Yes, yes, I do." He goes, "But you don't you don't believe Barack Obama is a Christian?" He goes, "I mean, if he says he is, yeah, like yes, he is. But I mean, I mean, he's a seed of Islam." He's like, what? What? Um, Apparently, um, the fact that his father was Muslim, he says, well, under Sharia law, that's what Muslims look at him. They look at him as, as the seed of Islam. And I'm looking at what he does. He's allowing Christians to be killed all across the world. It's just like, what? What? Well, he, go, the, he goes on to say uh, a Christian deist or Christian atheist is someone who wears the label Christian, but they really act and live as if God doesn't really get involved in affairs and he's not really close. And I would even call him a Christian atheist. They're Christians by label, but they really act like God's not alive. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means. He said, he goes on, he says he's more secularist, secularist, secularist. Really? Uh, it's a hard <laughs> word to say. <laughs> okay. okay. No, secularist. It's like he gets offended if you say he's not, and he's always challenging anyone who claims he was a Muslim, not a Christian. Yeah, because he's not a Muslim. Not a Muslim. I don't. This is the silliest cover. Like, like, yeah, he's not a Muslim. 
Yeah, I know. I know what you like to say, and they keep bringing it up. Like even when uh, when uh, Rick Santorum, they asked uh, what they uh, uh, about uh, when Rick Santorum threw out the whole uh, uh, theology. He follows a different theology, not the one based on the Bible, but a completely different theology. He was like, "No, I don't question the president's faith. He's a Christian." I mean, hey, he went to Jeremiah Wright's church for twenty years, and I was like, "Really." Really? That's what you just but, you just threw that in there? But he did go to Jeremiah. Yes, but he's doing he's not doing it uh, I know. Yes, because and so that it's he's doing it because it's 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 amazing for the conversation. So everyone who ever felt uncomfortable about Jeremiah Wright, they can go, Oh right. He is that. from that. Yeah. He's either a Muslim or an angry black Christian. Because that's what yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. I'm I'm not amused by it. I'm I, it's it's really annoying uh because I mean I, has any other president had to go through this much about their faith? Yeah. Uh, well, remember Kennedy was Catholic. Catholic, but that's not. That's, but they they didn't believe he and wasn't people, Catholic. They like no, he they didn't Catholic. believe he wasn't Catholic. But he was definitely criticized. Criticized for his heavily criticized during the time. You know, like we look back at it now, and because we have the right. mystique and everything well, about the Kennedys, we don't realize. You know, well, we don't pay attention much to that. Was a big deal. Absolutely. When, when the term, when they, when they, when someone like Santorum uses the term Muslim or whatever, they're being terrorist, extremist type of leaning towards a jihadist type person. So yeah. they're trying to other the president, like Elon always says. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If it was a religion that no one paid any mind to, like if you, if the president was a Buddhist, nobody'd care. But you can, you can attach but him notice, to, you can throw. Oh, excuse but me. notice, there's not, you know, and not that there should be this equal sort of thing against people religion. People have their religion. That's the freedom we have in this country. Everybody has their respective religion. There's no, you know, state religion, right? Mm -hmm. There's not that same about um, uh, Romney being Mormon. Conservatives are uncomfortable yeah. with him. Well, being actually, I believe, I believe the evangelical, evangelical right is not amused by an Asian. No, they're not. Amused, but they're not going after him well, the same way. Right. Well, for I mean, being a there's Mormon. Mormon, and then there's the icky Muslim. Because the, the yeah. best part about it is, like, we we talk about this and we keep going, but he's not Muslim. But he's not Muslim. But what if he was? So effing what? Right. Which is why this is such a really interesting fight that we're having because it, it should not matter if he was Muslim. Right. So what? He could be. He could literally do the five prayers every day. So effing what? What does that mean? What is it? Is he a bad person? Is he is he ruining America via that? No. But 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 they they keep making this argument like oh no he's 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 I mean I guess he's Christian and then it kind of puts us in this uh, defensive mode where the president is saying you know saying no no I'm not you know not a Muslim and all of our focus and our conversation is around him not being one as opposed to you're right Elon and saying so what if he was right and and this that morning, being a Muslim is not does not automatically equal being a terrorist right it's like like. It, it's a stupid thing that we should we shouldn't. I believe that's why we don't we don't get into that because like the idea is like that's not what's the so what like that's not that's not even a good argument that's not a good connection so that we don't even fight with uh, on that level. And this morning, here's the thing for you Christians out there that I, uh, I want to see how you guys respond to this. Uh, one of the one of his uh, things when he was I guess critiquing Obama's Christianity was the fact that Obama doesn't go didn't go to church. Didn't go to church when. Apparently, uh, there was a time when Obama didn't go to church. He started going to church when he was an uh, organizer in Chicago. 
So that he used that as an argument. Wait, against, so he's not a Christian right. now, because but he goes to church now. But, but he doesn't want to really. But he didn't because uh, at he, one point in his life he didn't go to church. Because he was planning to become the president. You can't become the president without really holding on. to And you have to go to church. You have uh, nine big thing. You have to to be Christian. You have to go to church. I mean, if you, I mean, but, you have to go to church. You have to. But sometimes you can't make it to church. I don't care if you had every Sunday free. If you are a Christian, you can be a Christian without going to church on Sunday. I don't. That, that's ridiculous. Okay. So I under. I think he definitely is taking the extreme route on it. But going to church is part of Christian faith. It's a. It's an aspect of it, but. Christianity. I thought the whole point of Christianity Listen. was was that uh, that that uh, you believe uh, in one God and there and, and you believe that His Son died for your sins and that you should live a certain life. Right, and that in that life includes going to church. But it doesn't. You are not a Christian if you don't go to church. No, that's but my part point. of living a Christian life is going to church. But it doesn't. It's not, it's not an it's not a what you want. It's if you look at a list of things that says who's a Christian. If you say, oh, I haven't been to church Wait, in a while. Wait, there's a list? Apparently. <laughs> apparently there is. If you said, I haven't been to church in three years, are you not a Christian now? Oh, I mean, that's not the only indicator. My question, no. no my, that, that line, just that. The, the only thing you've done outside of Christianity is that you didn't go to uh, church uh, uh, for a... Uh, for for three years, maybe you've done volunteering. Maybe you fed the homeless. Maybe you've done all all this, but you didn't go to church for three years. Are you not yeah, a Christian? Yeah, yeah, you can still be a Christian and not go. To yes, church. that's my point, and I I find that terribly offensive as someone who is not Christian. I'm not. I don't even believe in that. But I'm like, but you can. You. It's about your faith. It's about what you believe. It's about about. It's, it's there's a spirituality. Yeah, with it's it to all follow. That. You know, being Christian is to follow the teachings of Christ, and one of the things Christ is maintaining the Sabbath is right. you know is to going to church. What so. if you reject organized religion like this, but you still believe in everything else? What if you just don't well, like how? Then that's the that's the difference in terms of nuance between if you are. Uh, if you are going to follow the principles of Christianity, but not follow Christianity as a religion, because if you're following Christianity as a religion, going to church is part of it. But if you decided that you want to live by Christian principles, that's different. But Christianity as the organized or as the organized religious dogma and sort of all that stuff is part of it is going to church. Mm. Just like for 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 Catholics, part of it is going to confession. Part of it is going, but you know, you are, going to mass. But you don't lose your Christian card if you decide you're not doing that. I'm saying there is a difference in terms of the the, the argument. If you're saying that you are following Christian principles, then I would argue yes. But if you are a Christian in the sense of being being uh, aligned with the Christianity, part I, of it is going to church. I feel like I feel like it's uh, just like being part of a membership group is you attending member. And actually, meetings. actually, that's only one version of, of Christianity. There's also when we get into Christianity, it becomes a bunch of different stuff. There's a bunch of rules. I mean, in some places, you aren't allowed to wear pants. Yeah. As a woman, you're not allowed to wear pants. But that doesn't mean that, and if you do, are you not Christian now? Like, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of levels within this. But I find it ridiculous to police people within their religion like that. I agree with you. I agree. You know, I, I go through the same thing. <laughs> you know, I agree with you and someone. Yeah, you're uh, not someone who goes to church every Sunday. I don't go every Sunday. I do go, but I don't go every single Sunday. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... Um, the idea, the idea of that of that being one of the checks, 
That's one of the checks of that. And the idea that uh, when when looking at him, they they, they questioned his ideals because of they, they they used the argument about his uh the whole thing with with, with the uh, church when uh, when with um birth control mm-hmm. um they. Which I find hilarious. Like, really? So that makes him not Christian because he wants women to have a choice. And he uses presidency to question it. It's like, oh, you mean when he wanted everyone to be able to be on health care? Yeah. That really seems anti-Christian, that whole, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you want to keep all your, all your money? Okay. Yeah, that seems okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're right. He's bad Christian. Bad Christian. <laughs> this is stupid. So, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, we'll have a conversation, maybe an in-depth conversation on our uh, religious stuff or whatever later, because I see the chat room is all up in arms about, you know, the confusion of Christianity, the religion, and what Jesus said, and sort of all that stuff like that. There is a whole bunch of different layers, you know, in in that con- in that conversation. The Christian church didn't exist when Jesus was, you know, when Jesus existed. So there's a whole, you know, different difference in terms of what you practice. And I'm not judging people at all in terms of what their religion is and what they consider themselves at all. I we're having the conversation of what people what people have said and what they and the interpretation of what they said. So I'm not judging people at all whether you go to church or not. That's <laughs> it. I go to church. Sometimes I don't. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I I I have an issue with the whole process and this whole thing and the whole idea of how they're looking at Obama and using this away as a way to question him and 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 further other him because that's what it, what it's all about. He's like, we have to maintain because instead, look. I don't understand. If you don't like his policies, just say you don't like his policies. Say, I don't like the way he governs. But stop trying to other him. He's American. I kind of wish they would just come out and say that they don't like him because he's not such and such. I, I would appreciate it. If this. it was all about, hey, I, 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 uh, he's, he's a li- I, I don't like his liberal tendencies and yeah, all right. I mean, he's not that liberal, I mean, but I mean, we can have a fight about that. But okay. But that's not what they're doing. The fight is that he is not one of us. He keeps apologizing for America. He believes in a European ideology. He uh, 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 is a, a seed of, of, of Islam. He's all these other things that just continue. They do everything but point out. Like The fact is like they keep saying, oh, his race doesn't matter. But apparently everything else about him that is separate from you matters. Joanna calling from Iowa today. It's about your most recent show on women. This is great. Thank you. I got a comment on the Fox News segment that included Liz Trotta talking about how the military shouldn't set up any special systems for female soldiers who, quote, are now being raped too much. Raped too much? That, that would imply that one can be raped just the right amount. You know, this is crazy. I would like to know what that amount is, and I'm sure that all of our dedicated women in the military would very much appreciate if Ms. Trotta explained what is the right amount of rape so that they don't complain about that part, so they can hold their complaints until it gets to be too much. But then I think Trotta has to relax and allow them to at least complain about the too much rape. 
that's my comment about that one. And second, I just wanted to say about the issue of the feminist podcast talking about TV. I don't know why they're talking about TV either, although there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't know why it's different. Um, I'm a feminist, and my friends are feminists, and we pretty much talk about the same issues that all of your clips talk about, which is one of the reasons I love your podcast. I don't know, but I think it's really cool that you're trying to work it out. So thanks for everything, Jay. Take care. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Scott from New York. Um, I'm calling because I think I have a um, good thing to add to the feminism thing. And now I know that most of your listeners are probably now thinking, hey, what's this dude doing weighing in on this feminism thing? But the truth of the matter is, is I'm weighing in on this from a transgender perspective because since the transgender community is so small, you could see this kind of thing play out in like almost exaggerated stances because just think for a second about coming up with any transgender what's representation whatsoever in the media. I'll give you a little bit another minute. Doesn't happen. And the only ones that I can think of are unabashedly negative things. It's things like Buffalo Bill, the going from um, Silence of the Lambs, or like, you know, um, you have people, you have a plate for laughs when uh, some guy manages to sleep with, a, sleep with someone who turns out to be transgender. And then they, oh, well, well what how funny it is. Look at that. She's really a dude. And the reason why you get to see this kind of stuff about controlling narratives in the transgender community is because the transgender community also has a terrifyingly high um, hate crime rate. We are killed, like, so often we actually have have a holiday for it in November. It's called Trans Remembrance Day. And like for transgender people, one of the things that we focus on a lot is the narrative and how basically offensive everything is because it's all we have left. And in every single negative portrayal adds a little bit to the trans misogyny that everyone has and actually physically kills members of our community. See, so yeah, I'm getting a little choked up now. That was my two cents. Hope I didn't ramble too much. Love the show. Bye. Hi, this is Scott from New York again. The reason I'm calling right back is because as soon as I hung up, I realized I just threw out two seemingly unconnected thoughts and never added the uh, sinew to connect them. And uh, the reason why media betrayal for transgender people is so important is because um, there is still a fairly viable legal defense called the transgender panic defense, where if someone commits a hate crime against someone because they're transgender, they can get away with it just by saying, well, um, they fooled me about their gender identity, fooled in scare quotes. Um, so I had the right to kill them because they made me question my sexuality. And it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's a narrative that gets completely furthered by basically every portrayal of transgender people in the media. Okay, I think that should be it. Hi, Jay. My name is Kira, and I'm calling in from Chicago. I'm a first-time caller, but I've been listening to your show for a couple of months now, and I just wanted to, first of all, say thank you so much for this excellent show that you put together. Um, and I just finished listening to the second half of your War on Women um, shows, and this is in response to the last commentary that you gave. And first of all, let me preface this with uh, the fact that I don't listen to either of the podcasts that you were referencing uh, so much in that commentary, but now that I'm aware of them, I will definitely be checking them out. Um, and this response is just kind of my armchair feminist perspective on why we should be paying attention to the narrative um, on how women are portrayed in popular culture uh, and pop popular media. Um, it's maybe something that you haven't considered, considering that you are you know, uh, just coming to the uh, conclusion that, you know, the narrative of women in pop culture is something that should be paid attention to. Um, and in your commentary, you didn't explicitly say this, uh, but it seems like you were focused on how the narrative of women 
and how they're portrayed was important in regards to uh, women's oppression and the general denigration of women by men. Um, that is, how the narrative of negative portrayal was bad because it teaches men to perpetuate stereotypes um, and the fact that it reinforces normalcy of the inherent oppressive social structure surrounding women in our current society. However, um, in my opinion, it's equally or perhaps more important uh, is how that narrative affects women who are the overwhelming majority of consumers of some of this media. For example, I'm thinking of shows like Grey's Anatomy, those Real Housewives series, uh, Lady Mags, things like that. The narrative there is affecting women by teaching them that the narrative that they're receiving uh, of women as being stupid or shallow, you know, obsessed with romantic entanglements, to name a few stereotypes, is normal. Um, this is key because for the majority of women, the greatest or only source of education uh, on their place in the social discourse comes to them from pop culture. For women who don't have high, any higher education, for women who don't have access to that college, women's studies and feminist studies professor, for women who don't read news blogs or maybe even don't even read the paper uh, or watch the news except for Good Morning America, um, pop culture is a major formative source for their views on the world. Um, they aren't being told that that narrative is wrong. So it's important for feminists to try to change the narrative uh, as a whole, um, you know, due to the large population of women uh, who are consuming the silent messages in this media. Secondarily, it's useful for feminists to be aware of popular culture so that when they're talking to women not in the feminist culture, so to speak, they have a common point of reference to use when illustrating their points on various feminist issues. So, in conclusion to this little spiel here, um, you know, being aware of and trying to change the narrative of how women are portrayed in popular culture and the media is important not only because of what it says to men about women, but also because of what it says to women about themselves. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. And so I'm really excited about the messages that have come in so far on this topic. Please keep those coming in. They, they are great. And, uh, and and I'm definitely excited about uh, Kira's comment, which is one of those that's like a piece of the puzzle that got added that, you know, once you hear it, it seems really obvious in retrospect, but I hadn't thought of it before. Of course, you know, the popular culture narrative about women as portrayed in the media doesn't just affect those who aren't women, you know, men and some of the more intelligent house pets and, and how they treat women. But of course, it affects how women kind of think of themselves and, and develop their own personalities. You know, we we don't all decide how to be who we are in a vacuum. You know, of course, we are influenced by our surroundings. So the general stereotype about, uh, you know, your gender, whether it be male, female, or somewhere in between, of course, it's going to affect how you think about yourself and feel about yourself and potentially how you actually act. Uh, so brilliant point, uh, very well uh, brought up and, and, and very much appreciated. So as I say, keep those comments coming in. And uh, that's going to be it for today. I'm just going to thank, as I have been, uh, a couple more people who have donated to my ride. I am raising $2,400 for uh, the climate change movement, uh, three different nonprofit organizations who I personally uh, very much believe in. And so uh, Chris, 
Allison and Jamie have now uh, chipped in, bringing my total up to 40% of my goal. So uh, up to $954. As I've said before, the donations are coming in slow but steady. And so I have uh, the utmost confidence I will be able to reach my goal at this pace. If you would like to contribute, the link to the donation page is right in the show notes of this episode. Of course, if you would like to support the show itself, you can sign up with a membership or or give a one-time donation. Those are all incredibly appreciated and very much needed to keep the show going. You can also donate your Facebook and or Twitter accounts, which help us spread the word through you, helps grow the show. Of course, you can just tell everyone you know about the show yourself, which helps uh, grow the audience, of course, and really does make a difference. To stay connected to the show between episodes, you can join up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Fine, fine, Upon a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor